This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Nally. Our guest this week is Charles Barron, co-founder of Farmers Business Network. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. Crop insurance, the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with FBN's Charles Barron, next. Today's Open Mic segment is brought to you by America's crop insurance industry, which is thankful for the continued support of farmers, commodity organizations, rural businesses, lenders, and lawmakers who are fighting to maintain a strong farm safety net, providing individualized protection on more than 490 million acres of farmland. Crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. What began as a handful of farmers sharing seed performance data has turned into an international network of data sharing and a supply resource for farmers. Charles Barron says Farmers Business Network now encompasses 55,000 farmers at 119 million acres. Well, FBN was developed originally in 2014. We started working on it in late 2013. The scope of the business was, you know, really uh, about uh, creating a network of producers. And at that time, it was entirely focused on agronomic intelligence, but we knew that really the way to unlock the most value for farms uh, was not simply through data or information, but but through the, the business that the farms do and allowing them to do commerce and allowing them to do business in completely new ways, sell their crops in new ways, buy inputs in new ways, make decisions in new ways. And so that was all fundamental to what we were setting out to do um, at the beginning of FBN. Uh, we just started with, uh, you know, large-scale aggregated uh, data analytics through our agronomic network. When did you discover, or how did you discover, that in order for the the model to reach its true potential, that you would have to expand to a more fiscal nature of supplies and products? There's a couple different things. One was as farmers were uh, sharing um, and asking us to look at different things, so they would share data to, say, look at seed performance, and then they would share prices and say, look at, like, help us understand what's going on in uh, the inputs market. And as they did that, um, we started uncovering there was, you know, enormous disparities in what they were paying. So, for example, farmers were asking us to look at the chemical market. They were sharing chemical invoices with us, and we found that, you know, you'd, you'd see a farm getting charged two, two wildly different prices, um, you know, from the same retailer, uh, or two farms getting charged wildly different prices from the same retailer, sometimes a 40% difference. You'd find up to a, literally up to a 700% difference uh, between two farms uh, across the country from one another for the exact same chemical products. But it was really not uncommon at all to find 100%, 200% difference in the market on very popular products. And so what we uncovered there was that the lack of transparency in the market, um, the lack of Internet pricing or the lack of open pricing, was creating this totally opaque market, which was allowing retailers and other vendors uh, to take advantage of farms um, and charge them completely different prices and to have farmers not understand what fair market prices were um, because of that lack of transparency. And from there, then farmers said, great, you've identified the lowest prices in the market. 
Now help us go get them. Now go get the go get the product. Help us source uh, so you can actually access at lower prices. And that's what you know started taking us um, down the road of uh, selling products. But you know even at the beginning of SBN, we, we we also knew that our business would be built around the farm, uh, and not you know we were not the just simply a subscription service, uh, a software subscription service. You know, we always knew that we would be building enabled services um, that were enabled by technology. So how is FBN perhaps different than Amazon or other online shopping? First, you have to remember that these things don't exist in agriculture. Open pricing in chemical has really not existed. Open pricing in seed has not existed. You know, there's there's some you know smaller uh, providers who do some internet selling, but but it's not the majority of the market. The the, the primary way that farmers have been told they have to buy inputs uh, is that I have to walk into the retailer, the retailer tells me the price, um, and then that's it. I'm 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 sort of I might get to negotiate, but it's more of a take it or leave it type situation. Um, there really aren't even price lists that are emailed around or mailed around or old-fashioned catalogs uh, with prices. Uh, it's not that way at all. It's all individual pricing. And that is fundamentally opaque, and it fundamentally obscures uh, the you know what a true market or a fair market price is for a given product. Um, and, and that's, you know, something that people might take for granted. You know, you assume that, hey, if I go and buy an airplane ticket, I can always figure out the price or <laughs> drive down the street and the gas station always posts the price. Um, so, yeah, I mean, prices are kind of a fundamental and actually the most fundamental piece of information of a, a fair market and a, and a functioning free market, uh, but they don't exist in agriculture. So even the simple act of posting prices is a really big deal in farming, um, and it's a big uh, innovation uh, to get agriculture into a mode where there are true competitive, free, and open markets uh, with transparent information. Well, what are your scope of warehouses now, and what are your plans for warehousing? Well, we have uh, operations all over the, the country, and I think you know, going back to the question about Amazon, um, you know, you know, firstly, uh, it takes a lot to fulfill rural farm deliveries. Uh, the, you know, Amazon excels at doing things like uh, putting packages on UPS or, or FedEx or their own uh, their own logistics network. Um, that's very different from how farming works. Uh, farming uh, and farmers need to buy large, bulky inputs. Sometimes these inputs are hazardous, have to be, have to be contained or delivered in specific ways. If it's fertilizers or chemicals, feeds are treated. They have to be handled in very specific ways. They have to go to specific facilities. So it's not as simple as just putting something on, on UPS. Uh, not to knock uh, Amazon, obviously a brilliant uh, company. Um, but um, what SBN's built is uh, its own logistics network that specifically serves the needs of farmers and agricultural products and is capable of uh, executing uh, nearly next day delivery. You know, that's our goal is to be able to deliver within two days to uh, most of the farms in the United States. And right now we can cover about 85% of our, our acres that we have in FBN uh, within that radius. And to do that, we built a network of about 32 facilities across North America. They make deliveries every day uh, out to farms, specializing in these bulky, sometimes hazardous, specialized uh, input products 
uh, that need to uh, need to be delivered in very specific ways. When you and I spoke before this interview, you mentioned even that packaging had come involved, especially if some of the chemistries you, farmers use for crop protection, you've even expanded to that area. It's not also as simple as just selling other people's product. You know, that's uh, uh, often also a misnomer about FDN. When we started, we were just selling others' products. Uh, and that, that ultimately didn't give us enough control over the quality and the experience that we would create. Same thing with the trucks. You know, we would use uh, third-party logistics. Um, but, you know, those drivers couldn't find the farms or couldn't find the yard and couldn't, couldn't do it in the right way. So we really built an end-to-end system, and that meant uh, vertically integrating uh, back to the basic uh, ingredients, the technical ingredients, uh, having more control of the manufacturing process under our own brands, uh, so we have our own brands of Willowwood USA and uh, Farmers First and uh, in the U.S. That means that we can make uh, the guarantees and representations as the manufacturer to the farmers so they can have a lot of confidence in those products. But also that, that product goes through our own logistics system end-to-end, uh, gets into our, our logistics warehouses, it goes on our trucks, we deliver it to the farm. It's very different from um, simply being a, a reseller of other people's products and not having the control of that experience. The other really important thing that does is that that creates much more confidence around purchasing products like generic crop protection. Generic crop protection can offer enormous savings to growers um, and for a long time hadn't been very easily accessible in the market. Retailers would block uh, it being sold or prevent it from being sold in various different ways or, or not highlight it. And they would um, not want to ex- ex- accentuate the savings that a, a farm or highlight the savings uh, that a farm could get from generics, uh, you know, favoring the big branded ones. Um, and, and really, what if, you know, that lack of confidence and lack of availability that existed around generics prevented a lot of farmers from using them. And so, you know, what FBN also really helps do is creates confidence around generic products, creates an experience and the delivery and accessibility of those products so that, you know, farms can benefit from the, the full savings potential that are out there. Let's talk yeah. out loud about 2023. How do you see availability of crop inputs, of seed, and what about this big monster word called inflation? How is it going to affect uh, farmers in the year ahead? You know, I, I think on the, on, on the basic inputs on, on crop protection, especially on seed, um, you know, you're, you don't have the supply chain shocks that we did last year. Uh, last year was a, you know, a, a, a series of black swans, a flock of black swans from port shutdowns to China shutting down factories to hurricane knocking out production in the United States. So you just had, you had issue after issue, and, and those issues largely don't exist this year. So I, I think there will be, you know, plenty of supply uh, for farmers or plenty of availability of product. They, they shouldn't be worried about about that this year. Um, there are individual products where there may be issues. Um, you know, fertilizer and fertilizer pricing is really the predominant concern uh, on input pricing today because uh, there are so many macroeconomic factors like energy uh, in Ukraine that have been um, affecting that. Um, and inflation is, is really, when we talk to growers, the top two things on their mind are interest rates and inflation. Um, and what is inflation going to mean for food consumption? How are those uh, consumption patterns uh, going to shift? Um, what is that going to mean for the crops they grow? Uh, and then fundamentally on interest rates, you know, what's that going to mean for their access to financing to run the farm uh, and their ability to uh, find land uh, to continue to grow their operations? 
Uh, those are very fundamental concerns that growers share with us every day. Well, if we talk about paradigm shifts in agriculture, now there is the thought that farmers might be paid not only for the crops that they raise, for but for the way that they raise those crops. And we're talking about carbon and carbon sequestration. How is FBN involved, and do you have partners in this evolution? Yeah, I, I think um, you know it's actually a bigger world than 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 just carbon. You know, I think often in sustainability or regenerative agriculture, however you want to term it, um, carbon has been the primary or or sometimes becomes the only conversation. And, and in reality, there's a huge number of things that food companies. Uh, or investors might want to invest in, or food companies want to incentivize or purchase, um, you know, from growers. Uh, and that fundamentally comes back to what claims do they want to make uh, to consumers? How do they want to market their product and differentiate their product uh, with food buyers, uh, with all of us, with everyday eaters? Um, and so what that means is that you actually need a system that's very flexible, that allows you to have grain buyers and food companies on the other side know what's taking place on the farm, and purchase those specific attributes. And so what FBN's done is uh, we've created a system called FBN Gradable, and it, it, it is actually a technology used by grain buyers so that grain buyers can purchase grain directly from growers. These buyers include companies like ADM and Poet Ethanol uh, and another number of other uh, very large grain buyers out there. They integrate with ADM um, or FBN Gradable, and then if they want to make a contract available for something like a sustainability premium, uh, they can put a contract in there that then a grower can sell to them using their analytics and using the analytical system and grain tra- transactional system from FBN. So now what you're able to do is, is do sustainability at scale, and that's very, very important. Carbon can be one of those uh, benefits or one of those services that a, a company wants to incentivize or purchase from a grower. But also it can include anything else. It can include regenerative ag. That means no-till, cover crop practices, nitrogen practices, rotational practices. Whatever claims a food company might want to make to differentiate its product, it can then work with a grain buyer like ADM, create programs, structure those programs. The data can be collected. The farmer can be paid. The farmer can sell their grain via the FBN system. So it's really, really exciting because it allows you to do sustainability at scale. So we've on the same topic, how do you see sustainability, carbon sequestration, sustainable intensification, that whole cadre of, of ideas? How do you see that shifting the paradigm of farming today? Well, I, I think it's a it's another it's another frontier for growers. Our view fundamentally is that um, the most sustainable food system is going to be one where family farms are going to be the ones running their farms. Uh, that's why the, the very first order mission of FBN is to protect the family farm and make sure the family farm is profitable um, and keep that system that we have in America of hundreds of thousands or two million um, independent family farms who are the producers. So that's first and foremost. And then secondly, that means having the options. That means having many different markets they can participate in, not just carbon, um, carbon has all kinds of issues around standards, and you have to understand, you know, how is the um, uh, how is the, the the gains or you know the attribution of that practice that the farmer did going to account towards their their carbon credits. It also means farmers need to get rewarded for the practices they're doing. One of the problems that 
you run into in a lot of the carbon programs is that they don't reward the farmer for stuff they've already been doing. They may have shifted to no-till 20 years ago, uh, and yet they don't get any gains in a carbon program because they can't share, show the additionality. Um, and that's something that a food company might be willing to pay for because they might be willing to uh, make a different claim about something like no-till. Um, so I, I think you have to be able to incentivize the market uh, to allow people to make um, many more claims, um, and that you know fundamentally producers uh, are, have got to have options. I, I think it's a, another important way that a farmer can differentiate themselves um, and break themselves out of being a pure commodity producer, and they can really tell a unique story about their farm. Well, part of policy changes in the marketplace, obviously. But then again, there's also uh, changes in agriculture that come from Washington. So if you have the FBN crystal ball, uh, do you see policy changes coming in Washington as soon as the farm bill? Do you expect it would affect risk management tools? And, and if there are changes in policy, how does it affect you and your, and your members? Well, let me t- talk about, I guess, you know, one way I'd answer that is to talk about a, uh, a policy that has been tremendously helpful and has been very exciting uh, in bringing out an entirely new way of uh, incentivizing sustainability on the farm. And that's been some of the Climate Smart um, Ag work. Um, so as part of the Climate Smart Ag work, um, what we were able to do is develop partnerships with uh, the Environmental Defense Fund um, and the USDA around something called regenerative ag finance. And this was really a first-of-its-kind product where instead of incentivizing or rewarding a farmer for uh, the crop itself or the, the product itself um, through a, a premium on the bushel, we could incentivize them through a reduced rate on their operating loan. So one of the other sides of FBN is we're a, a very substantial um, provider and financial provider to farmers. We do operating loans, land loans, uh, input loans, equipment loans um, to the farm. We do that all in an online way and very fast affordable. Now, combining that financing capability with our analytical capability, we were then able to create an entirely new way of doing sustainability as well through these regenerative loans. And so through these regenerative loans, a producer gets a a half point, you know, um, uh, you know, 50 basis point uh, reduction on their uh, on their operating note if they meet certain sustainability requirements. Uh, that program sold out almost immediately, just within a couple of weeks of when we launched it uh, last year. We just announced the second round of it three weeks ago at Farm to Farmer. It's almost sold out uh, again, just right off the bat. And because of the Climate Smart funding. Over the next three to five years, we anticipate being able to grow that program to nearly a billion dollars or up to a billion dollars uh, in credit that we can um, provide farmers. And what that means is there's actually a whole new pool of capital that can come to the table. So it's not just the food companies now who can create these premiums. It's now the world of, um, you know, uh, private investors and hedge funds and others who uh, have debt capital that they want to seek. Um, they want to seek uh, uh, with, you know, either ESG or uh, regenerative or other environmental attributes around it. So, so that's really exciting. So, I, I just applaud the administration on the climate smart goals, um, and I think we're uh, just at the first stage of how those are going to start kicking in. And um, we've been really excited to roll that program out. So, agriculture's future is said to be tied to research, and there are plenty of countries now, China for one, that is spending a lot more on research than that even of the U.S. So the retailers that we know 
work with farmers across the areas that they serve. They'll have their own test plots. They'll have their own research, and they'll offer that data. There's regional data that's offered. Your network collects data from its members. How is FBN or is FBN participating and and raising the tide so that the industry continues to grow? Yeah, you know, I, I think this is a really important question because often one of the things people will say is, hey, you know, if you guys are selling products online, who are who's going to fund the R&D? You know, what's going to happen to R&D? Um, and, and first thing you have to say is that, well, what's happened to R&D as companies have consolidated? Uh, and as companies consolidate, that's, that's not to, you know, when, when they're independent companies, they're actually investing more in R&D on a combined basis. Uh, when they are then combined, uh, they seek efficiencies. Uh, and so, you know, you don't actually see the total dollars of R&D uh, necessarily increasing from that amount of consolidation. So that's kind of first and foremost is that, you know, is the, is the status quo leading to more fundamental innovation? Secondly is when you have consolidation in a market, that necessarily restricts the amount of types of ways that products can access the market, especially if you have consolidation in a distribution channel or a retail channel. Uh, fewer products actually access the market. There's fewer manufacturers developing them. So there's actually less innovation taking place than in a more open ecosystem. So that's kind of, you know, what we would consider the baseline. So I really don't think it's, it's right to, when people say, hey, if FBN develops, that, that we're going to see less innovation and less R&D. Um, we actually should see the opposite. Um, what FBN has been doing is we've created a program called uh, the IRL uh, field trialing program. We did over 300. Um, uh, we worked with over 300 farms uh, last year in this program. We tested 268 different products uh, across our, our program. Um, and that includes both our own products and then all kinds of third-party products, novel products like biologicals or biostimulants, uh, soil amendments and enhancements, alternatives to fertilizers, biopesticides, even uh, novel equipment um, like sea and sprays, um, or not sea and spray, but precision spray uh, technology. So by having an open, more open platform that can work with companies of all types that allows them to test on real farms and then potentially distribute through the FBN ecosystem, you actually allow many more people uh, to reach the market. And when you get down to the innovation level of agriculture, if you're a company who's starting a novel biological product to replace synthetic fertilizer uh, or to do soil enhancements, the biggest problem that company's going to have at some point as they grow is how do I actually reach farmers, how do I actually reach the market, and how do I scale? And, and so the, the retail system um, and the amount of, uh, you know, if there's lack of competition or lack of choice in that system, that's going to prevent those companies from reaching market. So that's really, really fundamental. There's a huge amount of innovative companies in agriculture, also in biotech and other areas who want to work in agriculture. They just can't access the market right now. So that's a big part of what our IRL program is doing. Uh, it's really exciting. It's already started honing in on uh, some products that are um, developing. Um, we've seen you know, exciting gains in fertilizer reduction. Um, and uh, there's going to be a program where we continue to scale out. So, yeah, that's one where we partner directly with farmers and third-party companies uh, to test products and then commercialize those products on the FDM platform. Well, Charles Brand, I want to thank you for taking time here as we look to a new season and sharing with us the uh, Farmers Business Network story. Uh, this is Open Mic, and, sir, today you've got the last word. Well, we no, we appreciate the uh, the chance to, to talk. Um, you know, I think uh, – 
the reason FBN is Farmers Business Network is the business of farmers is is a never-ending mission, and our our mission is really enhancing the, the profitability of our producers, uh, really protecting those those family farms to make sure that um, farming is done in an independent way, uh, that our, our communities and the fabric of our rural communities uh, stays the stays the same, and uh, we believe fundamentally that family farmers are the best way to do that, both for the economic viability of those communities as well as the sustainability of the way land is managed and uh, environment as a whole. Uh, so we're very, very uh, proud of what we've done so far. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, protecting competition and having competitive markets and having open markets and being able to access product and provide farmers, it hasn't been easy for us. Um, but uh, we're very focused on it, and uh, we're very proud to have the respect of, of our thousands of members and customers. Our thanks to Charles Barron co-founder and chief innovation officer of Farmers Business Network, our guest this week on the Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. Crop insurance, the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Nally.